Jesus has just preached a sermon on the mountain. Now we're following him all around as he, he engages in ministry. And we're watching him live out this idea of this kingdom power. We've been talking for weeks about these two kingdoms, the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of heaven. And so uh, we catch up with Jesus right now. He's just um, calmed the storm. They were on a boat on their way to this region where we're going to see him. And, uh, and there's a big storm and he calms it. And last week we talked about six ways that God uses storms in our life. One is it dispenses his discipline, okay, which is the one we don't like. We don't want any storms in our life. We don't want to be disciplined. Just we just want God's love. But that's one of the ways. Another way is it helps us notice our need. When we get into a storm, what do we do? Help me, God. I can't do it on my own. Right. And God says, correct. Okay. It helps us personalize his presence. Where do we run? We run to Jesus when there's a storm. So it personalizes it for us. Okay, it also furthers our faith. After we've gone through a storm, we're stronger at the other end of it. We saw how Peter was scared. Jesus, we're going to die. But the next storm he gets into, he's walking on water. Why? Because he went through the first storm and he saw what God did. The fifth thing it does, it promotes his power. We serve a mighty God, mighty God. And as he takes us through storms, we go, man, it's amazing what he can do. And then sixthly, it helps us capitalize on the on the on the calm when the storm's over and we have calm in our life. We go, man, I visited someone in the hospital yesterday just going through a horrible bout of cancer. And they've been in a bed for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I left there and I got in my car. and I was just thankful that I could drive, that I could just I, that I could go to the hospital, that I could go back home and I could do whatever. I mean, it, it, I saw this storm and it just, I just wanted, I'm like, Lord, help me capitalize on this period of calm in my life where there are no storms and that helps. So now we catch up with Jesus. We get to a really cool section of scripture, really confusing, the kind we all love. Here's what happens. Matthew 8, 28. When he arrived at the other side of the region of the Gadarenes, uh, it's probably not pronounced that way, but it doesn't matter. Two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. Now, I want to stop right there because we're going to be going over. This is what I love about going over a gospel. There's three accounts in the scriptures. In, three, in all three, it names a different area. You say, well, okay, so what? What's the big deal? Well, it's important because we want to know we can rely on the scriptures. So very quickly, I just wanted to discuss these two things. In Matthew, it says there were two men. In Luke and Mark, it says there were one, one man. So as you're going over this during the week, which I know you do after a sermon, you're just, you just go right back into the scriptures and you're just going, man, that was so rich. It just changed my life. As you're going through, you might notice these things. Well, I just want to explain very briefly um, the three, they're not three separate areas. It's one area, but one names the region, one names the city, and one names, the, there's a place called the Decapolis. It names another kind of area down, down below. So it'd be like if I said, you know, Jesus arrived at or- in Orange. Or I said, Jesus was in North, North Orange County. Okay, there's one, a city. Or I said, Jesus was in the OC, right? If you want to get all, yeah, yeah. Yo, 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 he's down in the OC, right? <laughs> Okay, what? Uh, sorry about that. So that's just, as you're doing your studies this week, you'll notice that. Two demon-possessed men. Oh, I'm sorry. And then the one demon-possessed man in Mark and Luke, he's the guy, 
Okay, there's two there. There are two there. But there's one guy who this is the one that Jesus radically changes. It makes us wonder what happened to the other one. So two demon possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God? They shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. He said to them, go. So they came out and went to the pigs and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank to the lake and died in the water. That's weird. You don't see that every day, do you? Or maybe you do, in which case we need to set up a meeting. Uh, (laughs) Those tending the pigs ran off, went into the... um, went into the town and reported all this, including what had happened to the demon-possessed man. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. Okay, so didn't quite turn out the way we'd expect. I don't know what demon-possessed pigs look like when they're going off a cliff, but I kind of made up this little thing to, it probably looks something (laughs) like that. Okay. Now, what's happening? I'm going to get off here because it doesn't get too distracting. What's happening here? This is weird stuff. Demon-possessed men and pigs and death and, man, they don't want them around. They're fearful. What's going on? Jesus is demonstrating kingdom power, okay? We've seen this already. This is what we've been watching after the Sermon on the Mount. First, we saw him have power over disease. Remember, he healed the leper. He healed Peter's mother-in-law. And he healed that, uh, that uh, centurion slave. We see now he has power over disease. That's amazing. And then we just saw him have power over nature. He tells the wind and the rain to be silent. That's incredible kingdom power. And then we see this power over the spiritual realm. Jesus is demonstrating kingdom power. And it's very important that we see this. In 1 John, it says, why did uh, Jesus come? The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work, to destroy it. So there's a lot of power in this kingdom. When we were going through uh, Philippians uh, in chapter 2, it says, "At, At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. And then it goes on. It says, In heaven, on the earth, and under the earth. Essentially, everything. Us, creation, demons, everything's going to bow under this power, this great kingdom power. And then in Ephesians, it says that God has seated uh, Jesus uh, at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. Every title that can be given. That's where Jesus is. That's his authority. Jesus is bringing kingdom power. That's interesting because remember in the storm, the disciples asked a question. They said, who is this? That even the winds and the rain obey this guy. Who is he? Well, their question is being answered. Now, we have to look at not only Matthew, but Mark and Luke, because all three of those really form a great picture of what's going on here. But this demon possessed guy says to Jesus, what do you want with a son of God? That is a term for the Messiah. Jews would know that. So they ask this question. Who is this guy? And some demon possessed guy goes, he's the Messiah. They answer his question. Sometimes we ask God a lot of questions and they don't get answered necessarily in our timing or by somebody that we really want answering them. 
Right? But Jesus uses this guy. I want to show us something real quick. This is about Jesus' death. When he, uh, uh, it's God. When God had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him, through Jesus. When God sent Jesus, okay, this is what I want us to understand. This is a little intro to where we're going. When God sent Jesus, it was to bring kingdom power into your life to triumph over what the enemy wants to do to you. That's why Jesus came. He came with kingdom power. When uh, We'll see this in Matthew chapter 12. But basically, Jesus has been going around already. He's cast out some demons and he continues to do so in his ministry after this. And so the Pharisees, they got to figure out what's going on because you can't argue with a guy who's been demon possessed his whole life. And all of a sudden Jesus comes and there he is. Okay. So the Pharisees were saying, ah, he's just doing this by the power of Satan. He's got something on with Satan where he, they make an agree. Oh boy. They make an agreement, right? That, that Jesus is going to be able to, I got to stop fussing with this thing. Uh, but uh, they make an agreement. So the only reason the demons are leaving because Satan says that. And Jesus says this. Oh, it's so awesome the way Jesus works on the Pharisees. I love it when it's somebody else and not me. I love that when he does that. And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? It's good stuff there. So then they will be your judges. Now listen to this. But if I drive out demons by the spirit of God, then what? The kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus is saying, when I show up and I start doing my thing, that's the kingdom. What does the kingdom do? It restores. It brings shalom. It brings peace. There's no more. What are we going to see in the kingdom of God when Jesus returns? A new heavens, a new earth, no disease, no tears, right? He brings restoration. He restores us. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at this situation and we're going to see how Jesus brought kingdom power. And it just so happens that it lines up with our mission statement. If you take your bulletin, you turn it over on the back, you'll see our mission statement. Okay, it says to reach our neighborhood and the surrounding communities with the love of the Father, to restore lives to healthy relationship in the Son, and to respond to the move of the Spirit. We are going to see all three of these things happening with Jesus and this guy. The first thing is the mess. The mess. I talked about this before. Ministry is messy. And I don't mean to say that all feel so sorry for poor Pastor John. It's not me. It's you. No, that came out wrong. It's not me. It's not just me in ministry. You're in ministry as well. And it's a mess. When the kingdom of God comes with power, it is a mess. It's very messy. Okay, you got you're dealing with people who are in trouble. Okay, and we have the power through the spirit of God to handle it. So look what happens. They show up and here's this guy, this demon possessed guy that is an absolute utter mess. Let's look at some of the things as when you combine all three gospels, this is what we find out about this guy. Number one, he was violent. He was violent. We read that in two of them. He lived in tombs. Okay. Now think about this. What a great word picture coming off of two weeks ago when Jesus said, hey, let the dead bury their own dead. Do you remember that when we talked about that? When Jesus was saying, look, let 
don't worry about this kingdom here. Forget about that. What a great picture of this guy living in the tombs, living amongst the dead. We see people like that every single day in our jobs and maybe even in our home, in our our friends, people around our neighborhood. We see people just trying their best to live on this kingdom and it's just not working out and they're dead. And that's where this guy was. He was violent, outspoken. You know, he wanted to get away from this guy. He lived in tombs. Third, he was strong. This guy was a strong guy. He'd break chains of iron. I mean, the, 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 the kingdom of Satan does have strength. We need to be careful of that. It's not stronger than the kingdom of God, but it's got strength. Sometimes we see these guys. They're, they're violent and they're strong and they, they're outspoken. It says uh, he would cry out night and day. It's loud, violent, obnoxious guy. Maybe you know people like this. Who attack your faith. Ah, it's just stupid. That's whatever. They're just abrasive. They're annoying, violent and angry and their life is dead. He'd cut himself with stones. We know people who are self-destructive. They have self-destructive behavior. Whether through alcohol or through sexuality or whatever, their behavior is destructive. You can see it destroying themselves. That was this guy. He'd cut himself with stones. We don't know why. Maybe it was to feel something. That's, that's the, the, the mental disorder that causes cutting today. People are into cutting themselves. Why? It's to feel something. Maybe that's why he was doing it. We don't know, but he was self-destructive. He was naked. Now, hopefully, uh, you know people at work that are naked. No, hopefully you don't, okay? Uh, that's kind of where it breaks down. No, wh- wh- what am I saying here? He has no sense of social graces. Right? Do you know people like that? You've seen them in the grocery store. A couple starts arguing loudly. You're going, hey, 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 easy, guys. What? You know, we're in a grocery store. Take it on home. You know, it's annoying. Or, or somebody uh, is at your work or in your neighborhood or maybe even a family member. It's like, hey, you get, it's annoying. Don't you know you don't do that in society? Get some clothes on or get, we see people like that. Here's the real kicker. He would be driven to solitary places. That is the number one strategy of the enemy is to isolate you. It's to get you into such a state that you begin to say, you know what? I don't even want to be around anybody. Maybe it's through shame that the enemy uses. Or it's through um, you're just angry. You're bitter. People have let you down. And the enemy's going, oh, everyone's going to let you down. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, don't, whatever you do, don't risk it anymore. Don't risk relationship anymore. You're just going to get hurt. How many people have we seen like that? Even in our own lives, we have periods of it like that. Like, I'm not going to, I'm tired of getting hurt. That's the enemy. That is the enemy. So here's this guy. He's a mess. And yet... We're to reach him. This is who we're supposed to reach. This guy. And you say, well, I don't know a guy like that. Praise God. Because it encompasses everybody else underneath him. (laughs) Right? He's like the header. Demon possessed guy. And under that is all sorts of people we find annoying. If we are supposed to go after the demon possessed guy, we're supposed to go after anybody. Naked, violent, loud, isolated. The townspeople tried to get rid of him, didn't they? Hey, put him in chains. 
Put him, get him out of here. Get him in the tombs. One says they had a guard over him. Right? Imagine that's your job. Some naked, crazy guy. And you got to watch him. Ugh. Who wants to do that? Not me. Okay. Here's the deal. If you look at this guy from this perspective, he's hopeless. Well, we've tried everything. Oh, that's Frank. That's crazy Frank over in the tombs. Oh, we've tried everything. I tried talking to him. I tried all this kind of stuff. From this perspective, he's hopeless. He's annoying. He's a mess. And we all have people in our lives. From this perspective, there's no way they're coming to Christ. There's no way their life can change. Oh, they've been like that since they were a little kid. No hope. But we're called to reach him. Now look what Jesus doesn't say. He walks up to this guy and he doesn't go, oh, good, dude, get some clothes on. Stop your cussing. Stop yelling. You know, you shouldn't cut yourself. That You're going to get infected. Right? He doesn't go to the symptoms. Or no, to the, what is it? What are the things that display themselves? Are those sim- yeah, symptoms. Yeah, he doesn't go to the symptoms. He goes to the cause. I probably should have written that down. Uh, so that's really good stuff. <laughs> you could say it, right? That would be awesome. Right? He doesn't go after him. You know, we need a city ordinance to get this guy figured out. If we could just get the right mayor, these guys wouldn't happen. We could control these guys. It's not what he does. He went all the way over there for this guy. Went through a storm for this guy. That's who we're supposed to reach. It's messy. We got people surrounding us just like this guy. And it's a mess. Look what it says here. For by grace given to me, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. We're going to hang on to that word, sober judgment, in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. See, you were that guy. Okay? I was that guy. I didn't see myself that way. I thought of myself higher than I ought. But I was a mess before Christ. No hope, no peace. And then he came and he changed my life. I was a mess. What Jesus does is Jesus looks into the mess and he goes, oh, this is fantastic. This is, you guys, come look at this demon-possessed guy. This is what I'm talking about. Watch this. Jesus, his perspective isn't the world that finds him annoying and what are we going to do with him. His kingdom perspective says, oh, man, there's so much beauty in this guy. There's so much potential. You know what Jesus is? In this situation, he's a pig farmer. Now, we'll get to the slaughtering of the pigs in a little bit. But what a pig farmer does is a pig farmer takes slop, okay, and he picks out everything, what we would find disgusting, and he builds his kingdom with it. He feeds the pigs, which then gets him money to buy more machinery and to build his kingdom. There's a show on Discovery Channel called uh, Dirty Jobs. I don't know if any of you guys have ever seen that. Nasty, disgusting show. Perfect for a sermon. Um, but they had, a, they had a show about a pig farmer. And we're going to watch this video of this guy. And tell me if this guy is not Jesus, except for the speech impediment. 
which I don't know if Jesus had or not. Uh, But check this out. Hey, it's Pastor John here. If you want to watch the video we watched, do a Google search for Pig Slop Podcast Episode. It's an episode of the show Dirty Jobs on the Discovery Channel. It should be the first thing you see there on mefedia.com. It's a little long. It's seven minutes. We edited ours down to three minutes, but you'll get the idea. Is that awesome? So you have all this stuff that in Las Vegas people wait in line for. They pick out what they want. Then they discard all their scraps and stuff. And that all gets collected by this guy. Ooh, yummy. It all gets collected and he sifts through. Ah, we can't use that for my kingdom. We can't use that. We can't use that. And he's left with what looks like disgusting. But to him is what? Beautiful. It's beautiful to him. He says, where others see horror, Bob sees beauty. I'd say that about Jesus. Jesus shows up on the shore and it's horror. A naked guy who cuts himself with chains that are kind of hanging on. And Jesus goes, oh man, I love this guy. This is going to be awesome. I can't tell you how I'm going to use this guy. It's going to be, it's going to be amazing. Then he takes this pig farmer, takes this oil, which he can't use. It's disgusting. Can't use it for his kingdom. And what? This kingdom starts rubbing it on their faces for makeup. You see the difference? It's a great word picture of what's happening on these two kingdoms. We value nonsense down here that this kingdom rejects. And we throw out all the stuff that this kingdom requires. It's a mess. They're at war. Okay? So we get, we have this mess. We have this guy. He's just, a, he's just terrible. And what happens? There's a mending. What we call in our mission, restore. There's a restoration. You take this guy who's hopeless and you turn him into something beautiful. Here's the thing. Mending takes authority. God's authority. Restoration takes authority. One of the word pictures we use a lot here for restoration is uh, Kai, our uh, youth director, youth pastor, restoring old cars. He does not ask the car which type of doors it would like. And would it be okay if I ripped out your motor today? No, I'll come back tomorrow. He's got the authority to do whatever he wants to that car. Why? Because he knows what it's going to look like restored. And so Jesus comes onto this island and we go, wow, man, what's he going to do? Anything he wants. Because when you want restoration in your life, you have to submit to authority. I mean, how many times have I seen in my own life, oh Lord, I want you to change this one thing And here's how I'd like you to do it. (laughs) I'd like to keep my job. I'd like to, you know, if I could, you know, and we want, we want this power. We don't want the authority. Look what happens here in Mark chapter one. The people uh, were all uh, so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority, he even gives orders to evil spirits and they obey him. Mending, restoration, turning something from hopeless into hopeful takes authority. 
It's not just a good idea. And here's the thing. Authority has power attached to it. Again, we'll go back to the the example of the car. Kai says, we're going to fix all your dents. And then take some machine or what, I don't know. The the thing just gives me the creeps because I would be terrible at it. But he bends metal and he heats it up and he uses a blowtorch and then he takes out the overhead cam manipulator and I don't know what he does, but whatever it is, it takes power. Lift that engine up, has some crank thing that does something, right? It takes power. So here's Jesus. He's coming to restore. He's coming to mend. And he demonstrates kingdom power and kills 2,000 pigs. And we go, dude, what's all we asked you to do was take out some demons. Didn't ask you to go in guns a-blazing and start killing things. So what's up? What's up with the pigs? Well, why does Jesus? Well, I've started reading all sorts of commentaries on that. And there, there was a bunch of things. I, you know, what do I know? But, but bear with me for a second. So what's up with the pigs? Some hypothesis. Okay. A lot of commentators say this is uh, Jesus disciplining. Okay. We talked about storms and, and how they can discipline. And so Jews shouldn't be having pigs. Okay. They shouldn't have any pigs in this region. I've read all about that, except this is a large Gentile populated area. So you could expect pigs. It might have been part of that. He's just saying, you know what? I'm here to fulfill the law. The law says no pigs. I'm killing all those pigs. That, That might be it. The other thing is the owners represent corporate America and Jesus is sticking it to the man. Okay. I actually have a little, uh, thing here that might, there you are. Power to the people, okay? All right. The guys tending the sheep, they weren't the owners of the pigs, okay? They were just shepherds. Shepherds, the owners very rarely were with their herds. So corporate America guy with the deep pockets, he's in town, and Jesus is like, yeah, stick it to the man, okay? That's probably not it. And I, you know, interestingly, I didn't read that in any of the commentaries as well. So uh, here's what I think is happening. I think Jesus is creating a storm because he loves those people. You say, well, if you love me, why would you destroy my business? Remember, this is kingdom power we're talking about. It goes far beyond just our limited mind to go, well, I really want to be, I really want you to take away this pornography part of my life, but I don't want to get rid of my cable and my television and get into accountability Ah, that's too much. I, 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 I have this problem of debt, but I don't want to change my spending habits. I mean, can't we just go at this one little step at a time? I, I, really, I really know I shouldn't be having sex, but, you know, we love each other and, we're, you know, it's different for us. And can't we? I don't want to just cut the relationship off. When kingdom power, when restoration comes in, it comes in with kingdom power. And there's uh, what we call collateral damage. And so we look at a situation like this and we go, why in the world did Jesus kill all these pigs? I think Jesus is creating a huge storm because why? Jesus calls us to a decision. Other commentaries said, well, it had to be something big because or else people wouldn't have known that there really were demons in there. They knew there were demons in there. Of course they knew. 
it might have been discipline in another way. Not in bad man, you have pig, you, I'm going to kill your pig. But just here's my new structure. I'm coming in with kingdom power and I'm rocking everything. A new storm. Look what it says in Hebrews. We talked about this last week. The Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. You go, ah, that's terrible. No, it's loving. It's loving. We all know it. For those of us who had strict parents, as you get older, you thank them for that because they probably got you out of some things that you would have done. Others who didn't have strict parents, you look back and go, man, didn't they love me? They let me go. I, you know, some, some, my brother... I praise God for my brother because he went and paved a road about this wide of destruction that I was just able to waltz right through. You know, I'd come home. Why are you home so late? Were the police involved? No. Okay, cool. Go to bed. Right. It's like, yeah, that's so cool. Right. So I have my own kids now and I look back and I'm like, man, my parents let me stay out that late. What, What were they thinking? They were just tired. My brother just wiped them out. Right. But I look back and I go, man, I would never let my kid do what I did. (laughs) Jeez. Just no respect at all in this place. Check out this dude, okay? Jesus creates a storm. But you guys have to see the bigger picture. Luke 8.35. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out. Listen to this. Sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. That's what restoration looks like in a nutshell. That's what this mending process looks like. You want to know if you've got more of the kingdom in your life? You're going to be sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in your right mind. That's that's how you're going to be. That's what's going to describe you. You're going to, all the stuff, hold him and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That's what it looks like. And those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. See, the townspeople were trying to solve it in their own way. We'll put chains on them. We'll put a guard on them. We'll put them in the tomb. We'll, we'll, we'll get them out of the city. And we'll write an ordinance. We'll get, the, we'll get the right mayor. We'll get, just get them out of here. And nothing was working. And then Jesus comes in with kingdom power. And it's like, what'd you kill 2,000 pigs for, dude? Oh, what do you want? You can't have kingdom power without the disruption. You want more kingdom power in your life? It's going to disrupt your life. To great stuff, but it's going to disrupt your life. I'm just telling you now. You say, well, I'll forget it. I'm going to I'm going to stick to my own way. I'm going to get the chains and go to the tombs. And just at least I know there's not going to be any death. And God's going, oh, man, I got so much more. I got so much more for you. See. Sometimes mending creates its own storm that impacts everyone. I was talking to a neighbor um, when we were in Lakewood and. Oh, you could just tell he needed the Lord so desperately. His life was so empty, loved to party. And just every, you'd you'd see him at night and he was partying and it was all good. And you'd see him the next day and he just, it was just every day, the overwhelming sense that it just doesn't satisfy. And so we were talking and uh, I was telling about the Lord going, man, and he had this sister 
that was weird. You know, you ever been sharing your faith with somebody and they mentioned the weird uh, uh, person, uh, you know, that that has kind of just a different way of looking at at their spirituality. That's kind of freaky. Okay, and so you're trying to go, no, no, it's not like that. It's not like that. But there was nothing she was doing that was bizarre. It was just different. And he's going, I don't want to be like that. And then he said this, what's going to happen to my marriage if I start following God? I'm like, dude, what's going to happen to your marriage? I don't know. So I told him, I said, well, you'll become a better husband. (laughs) I mean, that'll happen. But as I began to think about it, I don't really know what would happen to his marriage. It might very well be that if he comes to Christ, if he changes his lifestyle, if he if God is beginning to give him love and joy and peace and patience, that his wife might leave him. It happened to one of my relatives. They came to Christ and their wife was like, see you later. Split with his best friend and stole his car. And you go, well, wait a minute. Collateral damage. It happens. We have to ask ourselves, how much do we value God's kingdom in our lives? Remember Paul? He said, I count it as all loss. Rubbish. It's all loss in view of what? The surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus. Oh, the value of knowing God. Remember, these kingdoms are at war. Here's the thing. Jesus uses the right kingdom power for the job. He decides how much power he's going to use. We don't decide that. We say, Lord, I want your kingdom power, but don't mess with my dreams. I I want, I want, you know, it's kind of like we're on the operating table and we're going, okay, I need quadruple bypass surgery. So here's what I want you to do, doc. (laughs) And the doctor's like, I'm sorry, what? Well, here's what I want you to do, because I don't really want a big scar because it's coming up to summertime and that would be embarrassing. And then also, if you could do, I read about this real new surgery and he goes, clear, bam, you know, rocks everything. You know, the anesthetic goes over, they rip open your chest and it's just messy and bloody and they're in there and they got all sorts of stuff. I know less about medicine than I do about cars, actually. They put in an overhead cam thing and they crank up your heart on a little, I don't know, right? Why? Because the doctor knows what's going on. You don't go to the doctor and say, I'd, here, you know, here's how I'd like it done. It's messy and dirty and there's pain, but when you're done, you're restored. The mending process. Sometimes building God's kingdom means tearing down some or all of our own. And that's scary stuff, but it's a decision we have to make because what? Why? God creates these storms because he loves us. He wants to see us restored. He looks at our mess and he goes, I see beauty and opportunity like you don't even know about. I see it in the slop in your life. So that brings us to the mission. So what happens? Well, The whole town went out to meet Jesus. Yay! And when they saw him, they pleaded him to leave the region. Boo! That didn't work out. 2,000 pigs and nobody wants to even have you around? Man, you shouldn't have done that, Jesus. You should have just cast out the demon and just left it at that. See, here's the thing. The people weren't interested in Jesus 
But Jesus was interested in those people. And he created what we would call the perfect storm, something that would go on from generation to generation, the day Jesus showed up and killed all the pigs. That guy might die at some point. Well, he did (laughs) die. That guy died. But that story of the pigs, that's going to go on forever. They should write that in a book someday. That's how much kingdom power was there. Look what happens. This is the most beautiful part of this. This is looking into the slop and seeing beauty and opportunity. It's in Mark chapter 5. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. You can imagine this guy. Oh, he knows what he was like. And Jesus saves him. He's at Jesus' feet, sitting there in his right mind going, oh, look what happens. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Go home. Go home. Go to the people first who are going to be most radically transformed by your transformation. Think about this home that he's going to. These parents who raised this kid, they had all the hopes and dreams that any parent would have. A little kid, he's running around and he's playing and all of a sudden something's not right. And, you know, they're talking to their friends. I don't, I don't know what to do with Frank, we'll call him. Okay. I don't know what to do with him. He's, he's acting weird and, and, and he be, that begins to manifest itself in, in different ways. And they love this guy. And as he gets older and older, they can see that the enemy's beginning to get more and more of a grip on him. And soon they can't even have him in the house anymore. And people are asking, how's your brother doing? How's your, how's your son doing? That's oh, just bad. We don't know what to do. We've tried everything. He's, he's living in the tombs. What? What's going on? Have you seen those people in your life? Maybe it's your kids. Maybe they started out great and you're beginning to see stuff and you're going, well, what's going on? Well, Jesus restores him and says, go back to your family. Because you're going to rock their world right now. And he goes back. Jesus gives him a mission. He doesn't just say, ah, we cleaned you up. Go get a job. Start being productive to society. You know, you're a little late, but you better start on that 401k and that college plan. No, he gives him a mission. He says, go home to your family and tell them. Go and tell. Go and tell. How much the Lord has done for you. And how he's had mercy on you. Now listen to what he does. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis. This is a region of a bunch of free cities. Very Greek. Okay. This is why um, there were probably pigs there. Okay. He doesn't just go home. He goes to the whole region. And look what happens. And all the people were amazed. They either heard about the demon possessed guy. Or they heard about these pigs. But. A storm came, kingdom power came, and God gave that guy a mission. And even when the people told Jesus, get out of here, you're scaring us. He does, but then he leaves a missionary. Why? He sees the beauty in them. He sees the potential in them. God wishes that none perish, but all come to accepting him. Listen. God just doesn't want to restore you. He wants to give you a purpose. Okay? 
It's not just, oh, oh, I need to get rid of this sin in my life. I, 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 I do this or I do that. I got a gambling problem. I got an alcohol problem. I got whatever. I got a problem in my marriage. He doesn't just want that restored. He wants to give you a purpose in life to declare how great he is and to watch that kingdom power flow through you. You're probably not going to kill 2,000 pigs, okay? Just so we can, this was not, this whole section wasn't how we cast out demons, <laughs> Okay? It's a display of his kingdom power. Now listen to this. 1 Peter 2.9 But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. You've been restored. You've been redeemed. We've been mended. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the tombs, out of the chains, out of the darkness, out of the solitary place. He's called you out of that into his marvelous light. Is there going to be repercussion? Absolutely there is. All for his glory. Second Corinthians 5.20. In your small group questions on the back of your outline, um, for your small group, if you want, you can go over this section of scripture. There's some other verses I've included, but listen to this. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Think of this guy. Demon-possessed guy. What an ambassador for Christ. What a mess that got turned around. As though God were making his appeal through us. They told Jesus to leave the town. So now this guy is making Christ's appeal on Christ's behalf for them. We implore you. On Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Allow the kingdom power to do its work. We are in all. We are in all.